1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When it comes down to it, what are we at our core? We are North American Watchdogs. Welcome to another episode of the North American Waterfowler. This episode today is going to be a little bit different. This is my first official fishing podcast, and I've got Jake on here with me. My my, my bud Elijah's in the back seat, but we don't have a third mic, so I don't know if he chimes in, be able to hear him. I don't know. But Jake, why don't you give a little description on what we're doing here? Well, basically, an awesome subscriber, one of your subscribers, invited you down, and uh, thankfully you invited me with you, so we're headed south to Louisiana to do a little bit of uh, red fishing, uh, trout fishing, just a little bit of saltwater stuff, so hoping to get out on the marsh and and uh, catch some fish, man. Yeah, this is, we're going down with Kenny Bagno, which he is, I met him on Patreon, which if you want to you like what I'm doing and want to support it, it's patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. And I did a, um, a random drawing for Patreon members to come on and join me on the podcast. I've had three people on so far and Kenny was the first and man, I, I think I could have talked to him for like four or five hours. He is one of those guys that full of stories, full of life, full of positivity and, uh, you know, I'm a Kansas boy, and we're going to talk about my background, history of fishing, and Jake's as well um, in a second. But, you know, saltwater fishing is just something like you might as well talk about walking on the moon for a Kansas boy. I just don't have any experience with it. And Kenny says, sometimes you guys should come down. We got boats. We got a camp. You should come down. And he started showing me pictures, and I'm like, you know what? I know Elijah's graduating from high school. He's going to want to do it. He loves to fish. We could pick up Jake right on the way. And, and Jake is owner-operator of Chasing Green. He's been on there a few times. But I'm like, Jake, you want to do it? And Jake is like, he hesitated about a tenth of a second. <laughs> He's like, yeah. let's do it. So we're driving now. If the audio is not quite as good as, as normal, we're on the road. We're driving now. So we're just going to do a little pre-trip podcast here and then um, right after this Jake and I are going to record a second podcast where we talk about um, some of the new Kansas regulations and what Jake's thoughts are on pressure and around duck hunting and then on the way back from the trip we're going to do a 
a podcast where we just tell you guys about how this how this trip went. And we're we're I'll tell you we're pretty pretty dang excited. Jake, what what are your expectations for this trip we're going on? Well, growing up on the Louisiana line myself and spending a lot of time in Louisiana, there's really only one reason I truly go to Louisiana. <laughs> And that is to eat the best food in the world. So, apart, basically, I'm going to eat, and whatever else happens is just icing on the cake for me. So, that's my expectations. We're going to eat some of the best food you've ever had in your life. I think Kenny and his wife can cook because he's all he's been doing is talking about the food. In fact, he sent us a text, and he had a couple words in there, and I didn't even know what they were. Yeah. As far as food they're making, and Elijah looked one up. And one of them, I can't remember what the name of it was. Pistolettes. Pistolettes. They're actually local to that area. If you look it up, like the Wikipedia definition. Yeah. said, this is a food from, what was the, what's the, I can't remember what the area is exactly. Uh, Lafayette. Like, this food is specific to Lafayette. It actually mentioned the area. And I know Jake, all Jake's been doing is talking about the food, the food. So what is different? I've never really had true Cajun food. I've been to Louisiana one time. It was a college baseball trip where we just played baseball. So as far as the, the culture and being there, I have completely clueless. What is, like, what kind of foods, Cajun food, what's so great about it? Um, well, it's just its own form of food. I mean, it's, it's very different than anything else in the United States, and it's very seafood based, a lot of it, not all of it, but I mean, that's just a, a part of their culture is just eating good. Like, you may not have the best life circumstances or the best car, but, buddy, you're going to eat good. Like, that's <laughs> their mentality. And uh, it's a good philosophy, in my opinion. So uh, a lot of their culture is just based around the meal. And so they put a lot of effort into making some of the best food on the planet. But I, I guess there's just certain styles and certain... Um, food types that kind of go into Cajun cooking and a lot of it has to do with spice. Like uh, most things that are cooked are cooked with what's called the Cajun Trinity, which is uh, onion, bell pepper, and uh, garlic, sometimes added garlic, and celery. But it's really onion, bell pepper, and, and celery. And uh, you pretty much can put boot leather in that and it's <laughs> going to be pretty good the way they cook it. But uh, he said for starters, just for instance, he's going to be doing fried fish tonight with crawfish etouffee poured over it, which is just, I mean, my so mouth. I didn't know how to pronounce that word. That's one of the words he put in the text. Etouffee? Etouffee, What yeah. is etouffee? It's, it's kind of like a, I guess the best way to describe it would be like a, it looks like gravy, but it don't taste like gravy. Okay. It's like a gravy looking thing where crawfish tails in, almost like this creamy sauce. All right. Uh, and some people do it more thicker than others, but yeah, that's a Cajun staple, gumbo, jambalaya. Um, all these are, you know, Cajun staples, which are just incredible, so. And if you don't know, Jake lives in Arkansas. So does that culture and the food slip up that far north into Arkansas, or is it pretty much contained? Well, where, where I'm from is like right on the Louisiana line. So it's kind of a mix between Louisiana and Arkansas. It's where the two cultures meet. Uh -huh. So yeah, I mean, we grew up cooking a lot of duck gumbo, like at the World uh, Duck Calling Festival in Stuttgart, they got a duck gumbo cook-off where like people from all over the world bring their duck gumbo in a competition. 
it's like one of the biggest parts of the Wings Over the Prairie Festival. So okay. it's definitely very prevalent. We eat a lot of crawfish, um, you know, etouffees. We, we do all that. So, uh, but, but it's like anything, when you go to the actual source, it's 10 times better. Yeah. So the further north you go, you lose a little bit of the goodness. Right. And so actually being down here in Cajun country, it's as good as it gets. Yeah. And, and Kenny's got, he, I don't know if he owns two boats or, but he's got two boats lined up, two campers lined up. I mean, he is like, the preparation he's going through for us is unbelievable. I mean, it's just, can't, I just, words can't even put to it how, how awesome the setup and the prep is and everything. And so I've never, I've never been fishing. I have fished in the ocean. Um, we went down to Galveston last year and we just like were throwing stuff from the shore, but I've never truly been fishing in any kind of saltwater environment. What, what is your history with ocean fishing? Um, pretty similar. I've fished a lot in Florida and Alabama just from like the shore, uh, doing minimal stuff there. And I've done a little bit of red fishing in South Carolina in the marsh there, but uh, I'm pretty much like you, not a ton of experience. Yeah, so we, Elijah and I left Sunday morning at 7.30. We picked up Jake about 2.30, and I'm making a video for this um, that'll be on my Freelance Duck and YouTube channel. I know Jake brought his camera too. He's gonna get out some content. So to see this full trip, you're gonna have to go to Freelance Duck Hunting YouTube channel and Chasing Green. And I have no idea by the time this airs whether it's gonna be how, what the turnaround's gonna be on these videos. I have no idea. Um, but if you want to actually see this, you can see, go to our channels and, and check that out. Um, but so Jake and I, neither of us have any kind of real saltwater fishing experience at all. But I know that, that one of the first videos, I, I don't know if I watched part of it, but even, I don't know if I saw it before we talked, but I know you've done a lot of cropping fishing in the past. I know you've got a video that blew up where you guys were catching huge slabs. Um, give me, just kind of start as early as you want. Like, what is your fishing background and history? How much do you do it? Uh, what kind of fishing experience do you have? Uh, fishing's always been like a huge part. Just as, just as much as we hunt, you know, we fish the same amount. Uh, bass fishing was massive in my life. It was probably the number two to duck hunt. I bass fished just as much as I duck hunted. Large mouth, small mouth? Yeah, we, we pretty much got only large mouth okay. in Arkansas. We've got a few places that have small mouth. But yeah, the tournament scene's huge there, and so I fished the tournament scene really? quite a bit when I was younger. But Who, it, had, who had a boat? Uh, my uncle did, okay. and he was a big tournament fisherman. So you were fishing with him? Like we, we did a lot of buddies tournaments. Oh, I had no yeah. idea. And uh, I mean, I bass fished every day. I was very into that I was wanting to do that you know for a living there for a while oh, well, I had no idea um, but uh, anybody that bass fishes knows that it's very similar to duck hunting in how expensive it is uh -huh. so once I started doing chasing green I basically had to choose between the two good choice and um, of course duck hunting's always been the first are they one. really close to you as far as how much you love them like it's in the ballpark bass fishing and duck hunting it's as close as a number two could be to duck hunting. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say it's in the ballpark, but yeah. it's, yeah. I mean, I would do it every single day just like a duck hunt. Wow. Um, I love it. I mean, it's a very similar game. It's like you got to pattern them and figure them out. It's, it's a lot of similarities. And, uh -huh. 
in how you play the game of bass fishing and duck hunting, and that's what I like about it. Um, but yeah, we got really great crappie fishing where I'm from. I mean, it's not uncommon to catch two and a half pounders, and so that's always a big part of what we do in the early spring and summer. So yeah, crappie fishing, bass fishing, uh, I've done it my whole life and did a lot of it, so I love doing it. Yeah, Elijah and I were talking about bass fishing just the other day, and as far as big lake fishing goes for bass, <clears throat> I've got no, it, it, there's a science to it. Yeah. And I have no clue about bass fishing lakes, finding them. So I'm, I've never actually spent any time talking to anyone in depth that has that type of knowledge and background. So a little side rabbit trail here. As if you're attacking a, a lake, like let's say some of the lakes you know that I live around, um, how, how are you going, you get there and you don't have much knowledge of the lake, What? how do you figure out how to catch bass? I've never been able to catch bass on a lake, but we've never had depth finders or, or topography maps or anything like that. How do you go about catching fish on bass on a lake like that? Well, it's very similar to, to duck hunting, like I said. Um, it's kind of like they're going to relate to certain things, kind of like how ducks are going to use rivers and and ducks are going to relate to certain areas. Uh, bass are going to be the same way. They're, they relate to either wood cover, uh, rocks, points, ditches, you know, changes in the topography of the lake, uh, humps, all these things, you know, attract bass. Uh, Without a depth finder, your best bet would be to fish visible cover, which would be like wood, trees, just like uh, how you fish right. for crappie. You know, the bass are going to be where their food's at, just like ducks. You know, like, so, um, can you do it visually, or do you have to have electronics to do it properly? I mean, we've caught tons without electronics. Yeah, that would be like saying, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can do dishes good. So, what are you looking, I mean, because for me, when I... When I moved to Reservoir, so I grew up doing tons of pond fishing, uh -huh. and we would pond fish for bass, pond fish for bass, which is very easy to do. Yeah, it's the easiest fishing there is. But when we moved to lakes and did some lake fishing, we just never had success. And we were—I mean, I would look for things that I thought looked good, um, as far as different trees and brushes, and just I just never had any success with it. So break down more like exactly what are you looking other than trees submerged trees and things where i think they might be hiding under or hiding around or trying to get bait that might be you know yeah. small fish is it just a matter of a, a time game of putting in your time well it's kind of like the puzzle is you got to find where they're at and then how they're going to bite and that's how it compares to to duck hunting a lot in uh -huh. my opinion you know how when you're duck hunting you got to change up how you're calling. You got to change the decoys. They want something different on every day. Right. Well, bass are the same way. Like, let's just say you're throwing a spinnerbait. You've used those before, right? Sure. Some days they want it, you burning it, uh -huh. like reeling it back real fast. Other days they want it as slow as possible. Some days they may want like a Colorado blade versus a willow blade. What you is know, the difference between those two? They're just two different blade styles. One's like a teardrop and one's okay. more like a willow leaf. Right, right. Um, and so there's all these different variabilities. They may want white versus chartreuse, you know, color. 
plays a difference. Like your presentation, how fast you're you're retrieving or, or how you're moving the bait, then the color, then even the size. Some days they want a bigger bait. Uh -huh. Some days they want a small. So, so you need a huge array of... That's where the expensive part comes in. Right. <laughs> you need a freaking... Not, not every day, just like just like duck hunting there's days where you can go out there and kill them with milk jugs and and, uh -huh. and dressed in pink yeah. you know on the good days well there's good bass fishing days where you can throw pretty much anything at them and they're going to bite but there's other days where they're going to be finicky uh -huh. and that's when you need a huge array of rods and and the more tools you got you know the more easy the easier it's going to be but really it comes down to figuring out where they're at and that's either going to be where where, where they want to dish suspend at or kind of chill at for uh -huh. lack of a better term or where their food's at and where they're going to be feeding you know if i was just going to one of your lakes uh one of the first places you could look is the dam there's right. always going to be fish on the dam yeah uh that would be uh, first place marinas docks those are always a place to hold fish uh -huh. and then standing timber usually it's like these couple of staple areas there's going to be some fish. It may not be the mega load, right. but those would be some places I would start. And then it comes down to figuring out what depth are they holding at. Are uh -huh. they 10 feet on the dock or are they right up shallow, a foot deep? Same thing on the dam or wherever else. So figuring out the depth, uh, just like how you were talking about you did the crappie. You start at the yeah. bottom and then raise the top. Right. you got to figure out what depth they're holding at. And usually most fish will be on the same depth that day. So once you figure it out, you kind of got a pattern. And that's kind of what I love about the game. You, you find them and then you figure out how they're biting and you start putting together the puzzle for that day. Like, okay, they're, they're holding it five feet. Now I got to figure out, do they want like a, more of like a worm presentation or like a crankbait presentation, you yeah. know? And, and that's where the fun comes in. And once you kind of build the pattern, you can kind of go replicate it all over the whole lake. Is there any idea as to what causes them to hold at different depths? Is it mostly water temperature? Uh, temperature, oxygen, light penetration, you know, a lot uh -huh. of a lot of times they're not going to just sit where they're completely visible. They want to be just below that line a lot it's of times. where it's murky where they can come up and... Yeah, where, where predators can't see them, right. like birds, and uh -huh. also they can not be seen by their prey. Uh, and right. they're just more comfortable. It's, you know, the clearer it is, typically the deeper they'll go. I mean, there's, it's like trying to generalize anything. It's hard to say a general rule, yeah. but but yeah, there's a lot of factors that'll determine their depth. You know, and uh, and you really have to go open-minded because it a lot of times it changes day to day. Like, you know, a lot of fishermen get stuck in fish in the past that'd be one of their biggest downfalls uh -huh. oh well we caught them here a bunch of times before right. well that ain't today buddy like you know like yeah you got to go open-minded every time and that's what i like about it so we i grew up my, we would pond jump i had an uncle that was a farmer and he had access to a lot of ponds so on a on a fishing day my dad and i would start out in the morning we'd start at we had a couple ponds that we loved and we'd fish them for you know 30 minutes to two hours we'd get in the car go to the next pond we'd have like three or four ponds we would progress through and we would fall in love with different types of baits um spinners when i was a little kid then we fell in love with plastic like plastic lizards sure and i can tell you that we were definitely way too like stick with our favorite type of yeah type of fishing and we didn't do a bunch of big lake fishing like I can only think of like three or four times where we had a big canoe 
sure and with a trolling motor and we would go to big lakes and i know that we would just stick with our favorite whatever had worked the best at ponds we just throw and yeah. throw and throw we didn't have a huge array of of tackle or poles you know maybe we had two poles each and yeah and we just never had luck on those big lakes and so i never got a, a taste for any type of bat largemouth success on big lakes and i'm a very very visual person like the thing about duck hunting is most days even if you're not successful you're seeing yeah birds when i'm not catching fish it feels like there's not a fish in the entire lake i hate that feel. that's why i couldn't be a deer hunter i i i have to be visually like trout fishing which i've done a decent amount of well i'm not a great trout fisher there's probably five or six seven times in my life we've gone to colorado trout fish yeah and if i can see them in there even if they're not biting i can be into the game for a long time but if i can't see them i, I just get so pessimistic feeling yeah that just ruins me well yeah that's a huge factor i mean the confidence is everything and you build that confidence over time and it just takes time you know you go to a lake and you smoked them there before you right. know they're there it's just a matter of like that's my thought process when I'm out there. I know they're here. It's just a matter of can I figure out right. how to make a bite today? Yeah, and it really comes down to, and the confidence is a huge factor. Like you were talking about your favorite bait, there is a rule, like a role of that kind. Of, like how we were talking about sheeting yesterday, uh, just having confidence in your shot yeah. is a major factor. Well, just having confidence in your bait is a major factor too. Yeah, uh, it just affects how you do things. You know, when you're when you start getting pessimistic, you're not quite making the cast perfect or right. or just doing everything tip top like you should be yeah um, but one thing i love about bass fishing is how much movement it is just you're never just chilling you're constantly throwing retrieving it's a lot of activeness to it yeah see i've completely gone the opposite way when i was a kid i loved the bass fishing in fact i'd go out in my backyard with a bobber and a tire and just practice accuracy just yeah. for fun yeah and i loved it but as I got older, I really fell in love with minnow fishing for crappie. Oh yeah, that's fine and, too. And I'm at the point where I love being in the boat, tying off to a tree, sitting with a beer and a minnow, and searching for the crappie, but just relaxed. Sure. The cast and retrieve, cast and retrieve. In Kansas, I don't have much stamina for that. Now when we go we started going up to the sand hills in Nebraska when I was about, I don't know, freshman or sophomore in high school because we had, well, let me back up. We had gone to, or no, actually that did come first. My dad wanted to catch pike and he started researching. He figured out the closest place to catch pike was in the sand hills in Nebraska, up around Valentine, Nebraska. So we started going up there for fishing trips. And if I go, we would, and these are non-gasoline motor lakes up there where we were fishing. They have some bigger, bigger reservoirs. And if I'm on a trip like that, I've got plenty of stamina. Cause it's like my, your whole life on that trip, you're camping, you're fishing. I can cast and reel and cast and reel. And uh, we, have you ever caught pike? I haven't. We oh all my have gosh, it's addictive. It, they're just it's addictive some places they're kind of considered like trash fish like carp yeah. but up there in nebraska we'd go up there and catch you know upper 27 28 
a 35 inch pike and they're they're just delicious i caught a 19 inch um, five pound bass which is short for that weight it was just an absolute hog and man i just loved that fishing up there so we did that for a few years then we took uh this was like a bucket list trip we went up to the boundary waters in canada well the canada nebraska border there's an area up there that you can only you can't have any gas powdered motors so you went clear up there got on a boat where they had canoes on top they take you right to the boundary water border and they drop you off because that's as far as they can legally go and then you just take off into nature <laughs> with these canoes and we spent seven to ten days at some point you get so far back in there it's like you're a couple day paddle just to get back because you go you can't you, you pick up you go you portage from one lake to the next i mean there's just a multitude of lakes you're just using hand maps we didn't have any cell phones i mean truly just being lost in nature and you're catching smallmouth uh i don't think we did catch largemouth i think it's smallmouth pike walleye there's lake trout up there we never caught any but i mean talk about just an insanely cool fishing trip and sometimes you'd get hot and you'd catch them like crazy and then sometimes you'd go like a day without catching a fish but i'm sure that people like if you went up there you'd be a lot better at it than i were because it's literally just like how many casts can you put out there <laughs> it's just a it's a numbers game that sounds epic but it is i mean i've talked to aiden about doing it again sometime it's just amazing just getting away from every everything but i got i came back from that type of fishing and i, I tr tried the bass fishing in lake thing a couple more times and i just i switched over to the crappie and just had instant success and i'm to the point now if i fish i really just want to be dangling a minnow because you can catch everything on minnows yeah you can catch walleye catfish bass and if i'm not going to be like into the science of it of really learning just sitting there and dangling a minnow or even vertical jigging i it's just i can't beat it but my desire to fish has just really over the past five to ten years almost just flattened out to nothing um and i, I kind of need to stop it's kind of spurring back in me elijah and penelope and i went out crappie fishing for the first time in a few years and caught enough to make a meal and i really really kind of sparked me a little bit to want to get back into it fried crappie would do that to a man yeah <laughs> that's hard to beat yeah <laughs> we caught the white bass spawn a few years ago and just killed them and i think white bass actually tastes better than crappie a little bit huh they're delicious that's crazy yeah I've, i don't guess i've ever eaten any white bass oh it's phenomenal yeah crappie fishing's huge on my likes as well i love it especially like early late winter early spring right after duck season february march um, the crappie fishing is phenomenal in my home area of arkansas and i just i mean it's really fun but even then for me i'm just anybody knows me knows i'm like super high strong and wired and even when i'm crappie fishing like on the days you got to go real slow i struggle <laughs> like when they're only biting it slow because I've, I've got too much bass fishing in me I guess and yeah I'm just constantly moving throwing and and uh 
it, but I do love crappie fishing. It's very fun, especially when you're catching giants. It's just, oh man, I love seeing them. They're like big pie plates coming up out of there. Yeah. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. I've never caught very many big, I mean, our length limit, we were talking about this yesterday, our length limit is 10 inches. And I don't know, I imagine at some point I've caught a 13, 14 inch crappie. Um, but I mostly, you catch a, when they have the length limit of 10, you catch a ton of crappie that are nine and a half inches. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we we have some, some good fishing in um, Arkansas. We're blessed to have big bass, I mean, you know, that was always my goal to catch a 10 pound bass. Yeah. Um, that was like the bucket list, which I've not been able to do yet. Um, and then we have good crappie. I mean, two and a half, three pounders, wow. even three and a half, you know, you hear a few of those each year. So um, we, we're blessed to have, we've got just enough of the right growing season. You know, it don't get too cold uh -huh. too quickly. So they're able to feed a little more, right. you know, especially in Southern Arkansas, so. I don't know if people catch any 10-pound bass in Kansas. I don't know if they get, I wonder what the state record is. I'm not sure. If you sure. catch a four or five pounder, that's a big bass. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, and it's not like they're just super common in Arkansas, but I mean, you know, it's 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 an achievable goal. I'll put it that way. Yeah, do they, I know I hear a lot about huge bass in Texas. Yeah, Te Texas, Florida, and California, those are kind of like the big three. As far as, I mean, their growing season is just so long. You know, yeah. their summer, the bass can just feed for a few extra months. And they use Florida strain bass down there, huh. which is a, a little bigger. It's a subspecies. And uh, I, I mean, they grow, they grow, you know, a good bit bigger. And we have a lot of Florida strain in Arkansas as well in the southern part of the state. Do you guys have white bass in Arkansas? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're not, 
you just don't you just don't target them or some people do uh we never did they uh, fight like crazy yeah yeah we would catch them bass fishing or crappie fishing just as like a just on this you know accidentally pretty much uh but yeah some people target them especially when they're like spawning and stuff i know some people eat them uh, I, we just never did oh they're delicious do you like the taste of largemouth bass uh smaller ones uh, smaller ones uh i rarely keep them though you know it's strictly a a sport thing for yeah. me uh, i will keep them out of my home lake every once in a while but usually if i'm going to eat i'm going strictly for crappie um but yeah they taste okay i guess i like them better than catfish i'll put it that way i'm just not a catfish guy i'll eat catfish but after get after you if you like crappie like that white meat yeah it's hard to eat catfish you know in my opinion but i don't know if this is because we're camping because when you camp all your food tastes better oh yeah yeah but when we go up there to the sand hills and we catch pike those fish meals of pike around the campfire are the best fish meals i've ever had. sure yeah i've never had pike so that'd be interesting i hear like a lot of people say walleye is the best i've never had that either yeah walleye i've walleye is known in kansas to be top of the top of the line walleye white bass crappie and i think white bass and crappie are kind of considered pretty much really really close but that's kind of the the order yeah um, and i would say in arkansas it's crappie and then like as an unknown or not unknown but lesser known flathead catfish like that's a big a big um targeted species uh -huh. for food in arkansas which you know they're a lot different than channel cats or blue cats uh, but that's a huge did you see the survival camping video where golden boy caught that 65 pound flathead on the kansas river uh, yeah i thought it i didn't think it was a flathead though was it i, I it might, might be yeah, i thought it was I, a blue cat but uh, i know i think it was i think it was he caught a big one in the missouri river when we were in when dan was making his little boat to float yeah but then on our camping trip on the kansas river he was putting out lines yeah I, we I, figured it's about 65 pounds based on the length and the we measured yeah it was a giant oh my gosh that thing i am so glad that wasn't the first fish that we caught on that trip because the whole deal on that trip is we didn't take food and we were only going to be able to eat from things we could catch or kill and we had caught a couple of soft shell turtles and dan had killed a squirrel <laughs> but in that whole like the whole first day to the evening of the second day we had hardly eaten anything yeah. And we finally caught some channel cat, and we had a good meal. But I'm glad we didn't catch that big guy as our first fish. Yeah. yeah. I was glad to put him back. But yeah. the meat on that thing would have been, we'd have been eating steaks. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that, that was a monster. It was a monster. What a fish. But, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm excited about this trip here, man. I've always wanted to do what we're headed to do, uh, you know, red fishing, what little I've got to do it, it's fun. Uh, when we did it, we did it with uh, live bait, or not live bait, but cut bait. Basically, uh -huh. they would take up, um, they would take crabs and like cut pieces of it up and we'd throw it on docks and stuff in the marsh. And uh, we caught a good bit that day doing that and it was fun. I mean, they fight like crazy. They pull a lot of drag. How big do they, how big do they normally get pound wise? Now, I'm not an expert by no means in yeah, redfish, we, but no more than me. I know like 28 inches to like 30 inches is like a good one, but I'm pretty sure that they, would be five to seven pounds ish. I really don't, assume. I really don't know, man. I know they get like 
pretty big and the guys like out in deeper water catch some of the bigger ones uh, but again I'm by no means I don't know much about them at all uh, but so I the pictures that Kenny sent us did you I don't know if he only sent them to me let me pull up this picture for you of some fish that I have no idea what kind of fish this is I'm curious if you do I know this is this is great audio for me to be pulling up a picture uh, for Jake to look at. But uh, yeah, while he's doing that, I mean, one thing I'm super excited to do, I'm not sure what those are. I want to catch, whatever those are, I want to catch one of those. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's, how many, how, what do you think, that's 70 inches long? It's a long cylindrical fish that looks really, really like it would be fast. Yeah. They've got in this picture, they've got a bunch of redfish. I'm not sure. I'm assuming what. those other ones are redfish. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And then and there's a, that fish comes up in another picture. Yeah, I'm not sure what those are. I, I, they look awesome. I don't, I don't know my saltwater species super yeah. good, so I'll probably ask him, what is this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, when we yeah, catch yeah. it. But, but yeah, there's lots of different ways to catch those redfish, and, and Kenny was saying that they they do some artificial lures and kind of like sight fishing them uh -huh. like they get up shallow in the marsh and they'll see them out there and throw to them and, okay. and that just sounds really fun so d is that what we're going to be using is is lures of some type uh it sounded to me like it was completely up in the air and we'd just be doing whatever work whatever he or whatever work. yeah whatever we need to be doing but i know that that's what his son or stepson was doing they were using artificial lures and and that that's what I've always wanted to do so I, I mean I like I want to get way back in the marsh you know miles back in there and just go to town on the redfish one day and then uh, but I'm also like you I'd like to get out on the actually open ocean and catch sharks and and everything else you know right now back in the marsh is that brackish water yeah okay yeah and brackish water is where the fresh and the salt water meet yes yep so, all right, so we, we're going to be doing some fishing back in the marshes, which a huge part of this trip for Elijah and myself also we've talked about is seeing an alligator. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not, we're not leaving Louisiana until we see at least one alligator. I'm hoping to get Elliot on a, one of those swamp tours. I know it's kind of like the tourism thing to do. Yeah. But if we get time, uh, I would like to get him on that because I really think, that's going to be your best alligator experience. Yeah. They're, they're going to feed it right in front of your face. Right. You know, like, yeah. It's going to be a wild one. So that would be a great, but you know, when I've get, come down here in the past, I mean, they'll literally be like just in people's front yards, you know, so man, uh, we, we've seen them all the time and, and even better, we, we eat a lot of them and I love gator. They taste absolutely amazing in my opinion. Um, it's, but it is, yeah, everybody says this, you know, it tastes like chicken, this tastes like chicken. Gator actually really does taste like chicken. Uh, it's very similar. As always, they just eat the tail, right? That's, is there other parts of the gator they eat, or is it just the tail? Man, I'm not 100% sure. I know the tail is like the, the main part, but I don't you know. The cheeks. the cheeks? The cheeks? Yeah, the cheeks. I have heard that, the jaws. That's right. Good call, Elijah. Uh, but yeah, the tail is like the, the prize, you know. I've always wanted to hunt them. That's like a big on my bucket list i want to kill one and and like i just think it'd be so cool to, to to actually hunt it but then to you know save the skull and and have right. all that cool stuff so yeah so to say this is uh, a bucket list trip is certainly 
an understatement. Elijah, you have anything that you want to say about your feelings or thoughts or expectations about this trip? Um, pretty much that I'm really excited. I've never done anything like this before, and like going out on the ocean and fishing seems like really exciting to me. And I can't wait to catch a bunch of fish. And also seeing the swamp fish area, I've never been. I've never seen any swamps, so that would be really exciting too. And I really want to see an alligator. Tell them about our uh, last ocean fishing adventure in Galveston. Oh yeah. And what made you so upset about it? Okay, so uh, like how long ago was that? Last year, last summer. Yeah, last summer we took a trip down to Galveston, Texas, which is on the Gulf of Mexico, and we um, decided to go uh, just on the shoreline and uh, cast out as far as we could and see what we, we could catch with. Uh, we were using shrimp as bait and I was excited to actually be able to like catch some like saltwater fish for the first time and because it was the first time I ever been to like the ocean before and <laughs> we ended up only catching catfish small channel cat yeah small channel cat that was it and like he was so mad we catch those in kansas and then i went all the way down there in salt water <laughs> and that's what we ca caught it was like stupid but at least we caught something <laughs> yeah he, he wasn't very interested in continuing just to catch for fish for small channel cat I yeah can i can tell you that yeah we caught a few of those when we were um, fishing off the shoreline too, and uh, I remember thinking the same thing. Like, this is not really what I was uh, hoping for. They weren't even big ones. They were like, I cut one up, thinking, well, I'm just gonna cut this thing up and put it on a hook and just chuck it out there. Yeah, but didn't get anything. Yeah, man, some of that saltwater fishing is crazy. I've got a buddy that goes and fishes the shoreline, like you were talking about, but. Um, they'll fish for sharks and he'll take a kayak and like run his bait out Jeez. off the shore <laughs> wow. and he will literally get out there at night to where you can barely see any lights back up on the thing really yeah and uh i, I mean that was just absolutely insane to me there's no way i would do that yeah uh, out there by yourself at midnight in the middle of the ocean in a freaking kayak like uh no sir <laughs> I would have to get a lot more familiar with the ocean. I don't understand how the currents and riptides work. Because I know we're at Galveston, they were telling us there's times you got to be careful, and you know every now and then someone gets sucked out with a riptide. Yeah. And it's like, in Kansas, it's such a mild environment. Like, there's nothing there that's going to kill you. If, if it's not a rattlesnake, I mean, there's rattlesnakes, which I've only seen a couple in my entire life. Yeah. But there's just, it's a soft, easy environment. But I know it like the back of my hand. I go into the ocean and it's just like, there's so many intricacies I know that I don't know that it makes me nervous. Sure. Yeah. And me as well. I mean, I see videos of people in kayaks in the ocean and like tiger sharks just demolishing the kayak. Yeah. No yeah. thanks. I'm good on that. <laughs> You're basically like a big topwater bait out there just uh, waiting to be hit. So... Yeah, I'm kind of like you. I like the ocean. I love it, but it's, I'm also kind of cautious of it. Yeah, and that's the thing that's so cool about it. It's just so vast and dangerous and awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah. Is this water going to be clear, or is it going to... I know in Galveston, it was really murky water. Uh, yeah, it's, and usually in my experience, like, the closer you are to where the Mississippi comes out, you know, into the ocean, uh -huh. that, that whole marsh area is generally not, like, super clear. It's not like the Florida beaches, you know, uh -huh. where it's clean, pristine yeah. water. Uh, but I'm not sure. Uh, I've been down this area before, and I don't... It wasn't by no means, you know, chocolate milk, but it wasn't super, yeah, super clear either. So that, I'm expecting like a foot of visibility, or something like that. Yeah. I wonder what kind of sharks they have down here. Uh, I have no idea. I would like to catch one there. Yeah. Well, there was a picture of one that looked like I don't I don't know my sharks, but it, to me it looked like a bull shark. Yeah. And did you see that? Did he send you that picture? Uh, I don't remember. He sent me a bunch, but, but it didn't recall. look it didn't look tiny. Yeah. And he said his I don't know, a friend or his son or something was fishing for reds recently and the sharks were going after when they had a fish on, the sharks were going after it so hard they had to leave. Yeah. It's like that those type of experiences like gosh, like I said, it's so foreign to Elijah and me. They just that experience, like, oh, the sharks won't leave us alone. Just, and I'm sure there are small sharks, probably, but that just sounds so awesome. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I hope to get in on some of that. Well, you got anything else you want to add about this trip? No, I think it's going to be a good time, and uh, I think, like I was saying, tell, telling you earlier, I mean, one cool thing about this is literally like me, you, or you and I, and Kenny, all three met through like YouTube yeah. and online and yeah. I think that's just super cool uh, just the relationships we've been able to form through this um, is, was a really unexpected part of it yeah. when I got into it and it's been the best part of it absolutely and um, just the friendships we've been able to make the trips we've been able to go on yeah. because of it I mean it's just I wouldn't trade it for anything it makes it all worth it and um, I'm just super super excited to continue to build relationships through this so i agree 100 percent. out of all my closest friends aiden is the only one that i met in person and i met him out duck hunting so yeah all of my closest friends are duck hunting related yeah me at it. this point even my pastor um watched my videos and contacted me and wanted to go out to lunch and went out to lunch and now i go to his church he's my even my pastor yeah i met online through my yeah which is and the, jake this church is loaded with waterfowl hunters that's awesome i go so all my pre uh church talk is <laughs> tuck hunting in the foyer yeah but it's cool anyway yeah it's yeah. just such a great experience so all right we're gonna wind that one down we will give you a podcast on our ride back about how we did and experiences so thank you for listening this has been another episode of the north american waterfowl podcast <laughs>